Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. It is hump day. I hope you are making it through your week and having a wonderful start to your morning. Thank you as always for joining me on your morning commute while you enjoy your first cup of coffee for the day or while you're on your way to drop your kids off at school. For today's Palmetto State Armory deal of the day, one of my favorite braced AR-15 pistols with carry handle is on sale for only $499.99 and you can get free shipping as well. Check out the link in the show description to snag that rifle while you can, or not rifle, but pistol. Uh, Don't let Democrats fool you. They like guns too, ask Hunter Biden. He just asked a judge to dismiss the federal gun case against him yesterday, arguing that enforcement of the laws that the plebs have to abide by is politically motivated and key evidence was tested after charges were filed. Cocaine residue found on the pouch that the president's son used to hold his gun was only identified last year after a scuttled plea deal and subsequent indictment, Hunter Biden's defense attorney said in court documents. The pouch was originally found in a trash can, not tested for fingerprints or to determine how long the residue had been there. It had been in police evidence storage since 2018. Testing it last year to bolster the case is clear evidence of selective prosecution. Or maybe just doing a thorough job of processing all the evidence. Prosecutors had been ready to strike a plea deal in the case, but Lowell agreed that they bowed to political pressure. After the agreement hit the skids in court and was publicly pilloried by Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, as a sweetheart deal. Prosecutors, meanwhile, have said there's no evidence the case is politically motivated, while the strength of the evidence against him is overwhelming. The charges were brought in spite of, not because of, any outside noise made by politicians. They said in court documents earlier this month, Hunter Biden has pleaded not guilty to lying about his drug use in October of 2018 on a form to buy a gun that he kept for about 11 days. I don't care how long he kept it. He has acknowledged struggling with an addiction to crack cocaine during that period, but his lawyers have said that he didn't break the law and another nonviolent first-time offender would not have been charged. (laughs) Bullshit. Um, Well, I think the government should not be permitted to ask such questions because clearly we can see that users of said drugs will lie anyway. But lying about drug use on Form 4473 is a violation of federal law in the United States. For those who don't know, Form 4473 is the document that is required by the ATF for the purchase of firearms from a licensed dealer. One of the questions on the form asks specifically about the illegal use of controlled substances. Making a false statement on this form, including lying about drug use, is considered a felony under U.S. federal law. This can lead to severe legal consequences for the average American, 
including fines and imprisonment. It's important to provide truthful and accurate information when completing the ATF form to comply with federal firearms regulations and avoid legal repercussions. Or, I mean, that is if you are an average everyday citizen attempting to exercise your natural-born right, that would be the case for you. For Hunter Biden, though, apparently this is political persecution to expect him to be held to the same legal standards. The years-long investigation had looked ready to wrap up with a plea deal last year, but the agreement fell apart. And now the president's son is facing a possible trial this year, while his father, Joe Biden, is campaigning for another term. Hunter was indicted in Delaware after the plea deal broke down following a hearing where a judge who was supposed to approve it instead raised a series of questions. He's also facing tax charges in Los Angeles. All that artwork he's selling to Democratic donors, I'm sure he doesn't think he needs to pay taxes on that income, like the common man. As someone who is no stranger to the rules for thee but not for me vein of existence, Gavin Newsom is in the news again, committing to the removal or circumvention of several long-disputed dams in a bid to revive the state's salmon. The governor announced both new actions and efforts that are already underway to bolster the drought-rattled fish population in a salmon strategy document that was issued yesterday. Now, he has streets paved with dried fecal matter and tent cities on every sidewalk, but I'm sure he thinks this is a much better way to spend time and money of the California taxpayers. In the wake of ongoing extreme weather conditions, projections of Chinook salmon numbers dwindled to historic lows, prompting a salmon season shutdown last year along a federal fishery disaster request. Several tribal nations also canceled their associated religious and cultural harvests for the first time ever. Salmon are an integral part of our shared history in California, Newsom said. Some of my youngest memories were of seeing the iconic fish up close with my father when I was growing up, an experience all Californians deserve. At least he's not like Joe Biden, who would have made up an entire monologue about going salmon fishing, but his Corvette almost caught on fire. But he's Jill Biden's husband, and that saved him from Corn Pop coming back to murder his son Bo in a firefight. Aiming to... (laughs) Reserve the decline. The salmon strategy has prioritized 71 actions and six specific goals barrier removal, habitat restoration, water flow protection, hatchery modernization, technological management improvements, and strengthened partnerships. As far as the barrier removals are concerned, the document stressed that some dams that remain on the landscape are well beyond their useful life and that many are blocking salmon access to more than 90% of their spawning habitats. A massive project is already underway to remove four dams on the Klamath River, which historically was home to many of the most prodigious salmon runs in California. Other dam elimination efforts are also in process, or progress process, including removals of the Matalija Dam in Ventura County, 
and the Ringe Dam in Los Angeles County, per the document. In rivers where dams remain operational, the salmon strategy suggested that the state return salmon to upstream cold water habitats by introducing measures such as natural or physical passageways around the dams. Such measures have already been successfully implemented in certain rivers and creeks. Gavin Newsom said we're doubling down to make sure this species not only adapts in the face of extreme weather, but remains a fixture of California's natural beauty and ecosystems for generations to come. There's a God complex that we've all been loving to hate. While human intervention and natural selection can have short-term benefits, it's important to consider the long-term ecological and evolutionary impacts. Careful consideration and responsible management are essential to minimize negative consequences. This process of assisted adaptation will create weaker and weaker species, similar to people who depend on the government. Animals will only survive with intervention if they're not permitted to find a way to do it on their own. By altering the course of natural selection, humans can affect the long-term evolutionary trajectory of a species. This can have unpredictable consequences for the future adaptability and survival of these species. Since October, the Biden administration, here we go. This is the, here's a prime example of assisted adaptation. <laughs> Since October, the Biden administration has sent about $121 million in U.S. taxpayer funds to UNRWA, which is the UN agency that is currently under scrutiny for its alleged ties to a remaining $300,000 in appropriated funds for this fiscal year was supposed to be delivered to the humanitarian relief organization in the next few weeks. But the U.S. froze those funds over allegations that some UNRWA members participated in the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel. That funding has been suspended, State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said. He added that it's impossible to say how much more the U.S. could provide UNRWA this fiscal year, if the funds are unfrozen because the government is operating under a continuing resolution. We don't know how much overall funding will be available for this fiscal year, and that would impact how much we would be able to provide. Historically, we've typically provided somewhere between, y'all, these numbers just about gave me a fucking heart attack, somewhere between $300 and $400 million a year in funding. Do you guys remember when a billion dollars was a lot of money? The Biden administration has sent hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to UNRWA, reversing President Donald Trump's decision to cut funding to the group. Biden officials say the funds provide humanitarian aid to the Palestinian people, while critics say the group is effectively a branch of Hamas. UNRWA's ties to Hamas have come into focus after recent re- recent weeks, after Israel provided the Biden administration with a new dossier that contains information about how some 13 agency staffers allegedly assisted or supported the Hamas terrorist attacks on October 7th. 
The Biden administration announced last week it has temporarily paused additional funding to UNRWA in response to the dossier. Germany, Italy, Australia, Finland, Netherlands, and Switzerland have also joined the boycott following the accusations, which have already resulted in the termination of multiple staffers. Miller said the next expected payment to UNRWA could happen over the summer and that the amount would depend on how much money Congress approves for the agency in Biden's $106 billion supplemental package request. I hope $0. Despite the terrorism allegations, the White House has defended UNRWA, insisting that the entire agency should not be judged by the purported actions of 13 people. Um, sir, 13 people who got caught. No telling how many others are implicated or involved. You just don't want to dig hard enough to find out that Donald Trump was right to pull their funding in the first place. Uh, Miller said, we very much support the work that UNRWA does. We think it's critical. There is no humanitarian player in Gaza who can provide food, medicine at the scale that the UNRWA does. We want to see that work continued, which is why it's so important that the United Nations take this matter seriously, that they investigate it, that there's accountability for anyone who is found to have engaged in wrongdoing, and that they take whatever measures are appropriate to ensure this sort of thing cannot happen again. We will send you a strongly worded letter with your $13 million. Don't worry, you'll get your money. In other decisions that make you scratch your head, the United States just sold its federal helium reserve, which is a massive underground stockpile in Amarillo, Texas, that supplies up to 30% of the country's helium. Once the deal is finalized, the buyer, which will likely be the highest bidder, the industrial gas company Messer Industry, a company that is headquartered in Germany, will claim some 425 miles of pipeline spanning Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma, plus about 1 billion cubic feet of the only element on Earth cold enough to make an MRI machine work. Regulatory and logistical issues with the facility threaten a temporary shutdown as it passes from public to private ownership, and hospital supply chain experts worry the sale could have serious consequences for healthcare down the road, especially when it comes to MRIs. To be sure, a federal helium reserve shutdown would not mean that MRIs would suddenly power down across the country. Um, Sumi Saha, who is the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at Premier Incorporated, Uh, That's a company that contracts with helium suppliers on behalf of like over 4,000 hospitals. Said we are stressing about this shortage from a healthcare perspective. MRI machines are the number one concern. American patients undergo an estimated 40 million MRI scans each year to help diagnose cancer, brain and spinal cord injuries, strokes, heart conditions. The superconductive magnet powered imaging machine gives doctors clear, high-resolution images inside the body that they can't see on x-rays and CT scans. But without liquid helium, the Earth's coldest element, 
MRI machines can't keep their magnets cool enough to generate these images. The sale of the government stockpile of the non-renewable element could exacerbate an existing supply shortage. A number of factors could trigger a shutdown of the facility that could last as long as three years. Uh, Rich Gottwald, CEO of the Compressed Gas Association, which is a trade group that represents companies including Messer, that buy up helium and sell it to hospitals, semiconductor manufacturers, NASA, other customers, in a letter in October urging the White House to delay the sale, the CGA and four other trade associations laid out what they see as the most critical issues at the facility. Two of the trade associations behind the letter, Advamed and the Medical Imaging and Technology Alliance, represent MRI manufacturers. Timely, critical patient care would suffer if helium supplies constricted further. Advamed urges the White House to delay the sale and privatization of the Federal Helium Reserve until outstanding issues identified by the Compressed Gas Association are resolved. The sale has been in the works for more than a decade. Congress first mandated it through the Helium Stewardship Act of 2013. It was initially supposed to occur in 2021, but a series of delays, in part due to the same logistical and regulatory issues threatening shutdowns today, postponed the auction to Thursday. In an emailed statement, a spokesperson from the U.S. Interior Department said the sale would not constrict helium supply. The two other biggest helium reserves are in Qatar and Russia. Shutting down the U.S. helium reserve would force a situation where we would have to increase our reliance on foreign sources, like Qatar and Russia, because that's what our government does. They're so stupid They want to outsource everything to foreign countries that hate us. Given the ongoing geopolitical concerns and tensions in those regions and shipping delays, it would increase concerns around potential shortages on U.S. soil. Helium was already in short supply. Tell me how I ask me how I know. All the times I've had to go fill up balloons for birthday parties. Um... Currently, Cornbluth said three out of five U.S. helium suppliers are rationing the element to prioritize life or death uses, like MRI machines, ahead of less essential helium uses, like keeping party balloons afloat. You bastards. Uh, So to recap, helium is a non-renewable resource with significant scientific and industrial applications, Obviously, as stated many times, including MRI machines, scientific research as a cooling agent for superconducting magnets, in aerospace, and in electronics manufacturing. Its strategic importance would argue against selling off a national reserve, especially to foreign entities. In addition, the U.S. Federal Helium Reserve has historically played a role, a significant role, in stabilizing global helium markets and prices. Selling off this reserve could lead to market volatility and potentially higher prices, which might negatively impact industries and research institutions that rely on helium. Helium is used in various applications relevant to national security. Therefore, control over helium reserves could be considered a matter of national security. 
selling a strategic resource to a foreign-owned company could raise concerns about ensuring a reliable domestic supply in the future. The sale of a valuable resource to a foreign entity could also be seen as a massive loss of economic advantage. The revenue generated by such a sale could be outweighed by the long-term economic benefits of maintaining control over the resource. Y'all, this is the third time I've recorded this episode. You don't know that because you're only going to hear the end product, but I have stopped my recording twice already where instead of like just pausing it for a minute when I have to sneeze or cough or whatever, I have stopped it in the middle of it. It's I'm batting a thousand today. So mispronouncing words and stuff is just par for the course. Uh, Speaking of cooperation with adversarial parties, America and American and Chinese officials committed Tuesday to working together to stem the flow of fentanyl into the United States. The head of a visiting U.S. delegation said that their meeting was a hopeful sign of cooperation as the two global powers try to manage their contentious ties. The U.S. is seeking more information sharing and law enforcement cooperation and the designation and control of made-in-China chemicals that are ingredients for fentanyl made elsewhere, said Jen Daskal, who is a Deputy Homeland Security Advisor in the White House. Obviously, we need to see the results and we need to see action, she said in a phone interview. But there was a real spirit of cooperation and a commitment to working together. The first meeting of a new U.S.-China counter-narcotics working group will be followed by more in-depth meetings in smaller groups tomorrow, or today, Wednesday. Fentanyl, the synthetic opioid that is ravaging America, is a major focus, and in particular, the ingredients and pill presses for the drug that come from China. President Xi Jinping agreed to restart cooperation in drug trafficking and a handful of other areas when he and Biden met in San Francisco in November. You know, the time that we played the Chinese national anthem and held Chinese flags, just in case you forgot. The agreements were a small step forward in a relationship strained by major differences on issues ranging from trade and technology to Taiwan and human rights. The U.S. wants China to do more to curb the export of chemicals that it says are processed into fentanyl, largely in Mexico, before the final product is smuggled into the U.S. Chinese Public Security Minister Wang Xiaohang said that the two sides had in-depth and pragmatic talks. We reached common understanding on the work plan for the working group. He sat at a ceremony marking the inauguration of the group. China had previously rebuffed the United States' appeals for help as relations between the two had deteriorated, often responding that the U.S. should look inward to save its domestic problems and not blame them on China. But China refused to discuss cooperation unless the U.S. lifted sanctions on the Public Security Ministry's Institute of Forensic Science. The Commerce Department had imposed the sanctions in 2020, accusing the Institute of its complicity in human rights violations against Uyghur Muslims and other predominantly Muslim ethnic groups 
in China's Xinjiang region. The U.S. quietly agreed to lift the sanctions to get cooperation on fentanyl. Just want to reiterate that to you. The Public Security Ministry's Institute of Forensic Science had sanctions placed on it because it was complicit in the human rights violations against the Uyghur Muslims, and the United States quietly agreed to lift those sanctions. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi acknowledged the removal of the obstacle of unilateral sanctions. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller called it an appropriate step to take, given what China was willing to do on the trafficking of fentanyl precursors. That's my question to you guys. Was it better that they went ahead and lifted the sanctions so that we can get help on the fentanyl? Or was it smarter for for them to continue the sanctions? I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. Uh, Google spent billions on employee severance following the company's mass layoffs last year. In its latest earnings reports, uh, Alphabet's earnings for fourth quarter and fiscal year of 2023 released yesterday, showing the company also expects to incur $700 million in severance costs for this quarter. They started 2024 with additional layoffs following a previous round in January of 2023. The company is laying off hundreds of workers. With those kind of numbers, I feel like it should be millions, but you know, whatever. Across core engineering and hardware teams. After the January 2023 layoffs, the company recorded employee severance and related charges of $2.1 billion. For the 12 months ending in December 31st of 2023, Google reported $86.3 billion in revenue in quarter four. $86.3 billion in revenue. That is up 13% year over year and a $307.4 billion for the fiscal year, up 9% year over year. Google laid off 12,000 employees, or roughly 6% of its workforce, in January of 2023. Over the past two years, we've seen periods of dramatic growth. CEO Sundar Pichai told, or Pichai, I'm not sure how you say his name, told staff in a memo, memo at the time, to match and fuel that growth, we hired for a different economic reality than the one we face today. Affected staff were paid during the 60-day minimum war notification, offered severance of at least 16-week salary, plus two weeks for each additional year they worked at Google, and accelerated restricted stock units. So they were also paid 2,022 bonuses and remaining vacation time. Google's cuts were part of broader layoff sweeps in the tech industry last year, as companies cited a need to cut costs after overhiring during the pandemic tech boom amid shifting economic conditions. That is your Wednesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. Tonight we will be having uh, Liberty Library. Where we will be covering another 50 pages or so of the Constitutional Convention debates and the uh, Anti-Federalist Papers. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please like, share, subscribe, do all of the things. 
I love you guys. You take care and have a wonderful Wednesday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.